Thanks, John. It is a pleasure to have the Boy Scouts in our church. You know, any given Monday night, if you show up here, I, like I did, looking for Celebrate Recovery, I, I got invited to come here, Eddie speak, and I was trying to find you guys. I didn't get the memo where they met uh, on the third floor of the, the youth area, and so I, I ran to the fellowship hall, and there were about 30 of these uh, amazing uh, scouts in there, and, and I, I said, well, that's not Celebrate Recovery. And then I, I heard some more uh, voices down the hall, and there was Swahili uh, refugee children being tutored uh, by our church volunteers as well. And I said, well, that's not Celebrate Recovery either. So any given Monday night, you have ministry happening in amazing ways in this building. Lives are being changed and people are being formed. So I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Absolutely. It's been an unbelievably exciting time for my family. We are so blessed, like I said, and just so grateful and overwhelmed. And last week, I hadn't even thought about it really, but we were driving up here and my wife said to me, are you, are you ready for today? And I said, yeah, I think so. I think I'm ready. She said, are you ready to say yes if they offer you your dream job? And I hadn't really thought of it in those terms of dream job, you know, but the more I thought about it, it I said, yeah, it really is. It really is my dream job to be able to, to, to pastor and shepherd a, a church with 75 years of tradition to build on. A church that does things like Swahili refugee tutoring and does things like have the Boy Scouts for, for many, many years and does things like support world missions uh, around the globe and takes international mission trips before it was cool even in the 60s and 70s. Uh, yeah, that is my dream job. So thank you so much for, for allowing me to, to be a part of it. Well, we're continuing to read through the Bible in 2017 and I'm really glad this whole pastor thing worked out because we get to continue to do this together. So <laughs> thank you uh, for making that work uh, so well. If you're not following the readings along with us, that's okay. There's grace. You can jump in anytime. They're listed here in your bulletin. They're also on our website. You can download the app. There's two different apps I know of that will put this reading plan on your phone with reminders, all that kind of stuff. So February is a short month, and right now where we are in the readings is we're, we're going to finish Exodus tomorrow, chapter 39 and chapter 40 tomorrow, and we move into Leviticus, which you got to just dig it deep, okay, and okay, hold strong through Leviticus, you'll be okay. And we're nearing the end of Matthew, we've been in Matthew the entire year of 2017, and so what we're going to do for February, I'm only here three Sundays, I'm out February 19th on a, a spiritual formation retreat with my doctoral program at Lipscomb University, uh, so Trey Heyman's going to preach and the youth are going to help out in service, it's going to be an amazing day, I hate to miss it, on the 19th. But what we're going to do the other three Sundays is look at some of these later teachings of Jesus at the end of Matthew. By this point, we're, we're skipping over all the, the, the birth narrative in Matthew. We're, we're skipping over the Sermon on the Mount, right? We're skipping over uh, the calling of the disciples. We're skipping over all that, and we're jumping past even the triumphal entry. At this point in Matthew, Jesus has already come to his final destination, and it'll be the last place he ever visits. He knows that this is the beginning of the end, that now he's in Jerusalem, that he's going to stir up the authorities to the point where he will be betrayed and arrested and eventually crucified, but that he will also rise again from Jerusalem as well. So this is it. The end of his ministry, the end of his time here on earth happens in these last few chapters of Matthew. And while he's here in Jerusalem, he gives some really powerful teachings. He, he shows up at the temple to, to teach the religious leaders of that time in Jerusalem 
And this is the same temple that he just came to a few days before and drove out the money changers. He made a whip and drove out the, the money lenders and said, you've made this place a den of thieves, a den of robbers, but God says, my house shall be a house of prayer, right? So while he's teaching these religious leaders, he's turning everything that they know up on its head. He's, he's telling the religious, religious establishment, you've put a yoke of burden on these people by teaching them these false narratives, these false truths that have really nothing to do with the real kingdom of God itself. And so he's saying, you've said this, but I tell you this. You've heard it said that da da da, da but I tell you this. He's correcting this warped and twisted view of God that the religious establishment had been perpetuating in Jerusalem and therefore all throughout Israel. So it's important to remember that, you know, the words of Christ matter, don't they? We're calling this series Words to Live By. I promise I have hundreds of books about the teachings of Jesus on my shelves in my office right now. But isn't it good to just listen to the words of Christ themselves sometimes? To just hear the words of Jesus for their face value and let the Holy Spirit speak to us through the words of Jesus himself? Sure, it's true that, that all scripture is, is breathed out by God, right? And it's profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and training and righteousness. But the words of Jesus are special. These are the, the spoken words of God in the flesh while he was with us. We would do well to pay close attention to the words of Jesus because they are truly words to live our lives by. So we start this morning with a story, a parable that Jesus told about a party. Uh, it's a highly appropriate story for today since, as Bob noticed, uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday and there are thousands and thousands of parties all across this nation today. I can't wait to go to a party. My wife and I are going to one with our kids. Some friends of ours we don't get to see, but maybe once a month or so. I love parties. It's going to be a great time. And let's read this party that Jesus talks about together this morning. So maybe stand as we read Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. Out of respect for God's word, let's stand and read this text this morning. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those uh, in, who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, <clears throat> treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find." And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. And that place 
There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of God for the people of God. You can have a seat. You know, in 1990, there was a book that came out that, that kind of shocked some people. It was by Tony Campolo, the famous Christian author and evangelist. It was called The Kingdom of God is a, do you know? The Kingdom of God is a party. The Kingdom of God is a party. It's a deeply biblical concept to say that the Kingdom of God is a party. We just read that Jesus said that. But this book sent shockwaves throughout the evangelical world. It was a little out there for some people uh, who, who had a hard time understanding this word party in its proper context. You see, our, our culture has kind of co-opted the word party, hasn't it? Teenagers, if, if a youth or someone says to you, hey, do you party? Okay, just walk away. Just walk away. Just don't answer them, just walk away. Okay? Party has all kinds of horrible connotations these days, doesn't it? Man, he parties hard. <clears throat> Usually it means you drink heavily. It, or they may be asking for drugs. If they say, do you party? Do you have some drugs I can buy? That's what our culture has done to this word party. But what does the Bible say about partying? What did the prodigal son's father do when the prodigal son returned home after eating the pig's food and after wasting his entire inheritance? Luke chapter 15, verse 22 and 23 tells us, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. He threw a massive party. He barbecued outside with the fattened calf and invited all the neighbors and everyone to come and celebrate together the good news that his son, who he thought was once lost, is now found. That his son, who he thought was dead, is alive and well indeed. You know, I read in the paper recently that in Midtown Nashville, just here up the road, that a lot of these new bars and restaurants are, are, are having a lot of parties. There's a lot of partying going on now in Midtown. And so the residents aren't so happy about that because parties tend to make a lot of noise. I know Nate Burbank and the Wanna Beatles were supposed to play. Are you another Nate? Yeah, there you are. There he is. Yeah. He was supposed to, to recreate the, the Beatles' rooftop performance at Soulshine Pizza in Midtown. And I was so excited about taking the staff and we could go get some pizza and hear the, the Wanna Beatles play, just like the, you know, the Beatles did in the 60s. I thought that would be an awesome experience. But then it got shut down because the neighbors complained because of noise. They canceled it before it even began. But parties are loud. The Bible says that the, the biggest party of all time is going to happen at the end of this age. When heaven and earth become one, when they become the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth, there's going to be a big party. Because the victorious Christ is going to finally enter into perfect union with his people, the bride, the church. It's going to be a wedding feast like no other feast because there will be no more sin and darkness in this creation. It'll be the best party of all time. And the Apostle John got to get a glimpse of this party he was shown a little bit of what this party is going to look like in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19, 6 says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. That sounds noisy. I wonder if the neighbors 
were complaining. <laughs> Great peals of thunder and, and mighty waters. Verse 7, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. It was given to her. It was gifted to her. It was graced to her to clothe herself with fine, pure linen. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. The angel says, you're blessed if you're invited to this party. And the good news is for you and for me that we are invited to this party. When, when Jesus tells this parable, he says it's, it's going to be a massive party, okay? And you're invited. He's, he's doing this in order to correct the twisted ideas of what God's all about that the religious leaders of Jerusalem had concocted based on their understanding of the law alone. They had, had made their faith into a list of do's and don'ts. They had reduced God's kingdom into those who were good enough, those who were good enough by their own merits, by their works, by their righteous acts and deeds. Instead of understanding that the law only served to show them how far short they had fallen of God's standard of glory and grace, they added it as a burden to the people of Israel. Jesus says it's not about that. It's not about being good because no one's good. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. It's not about following the rules. It's, it's not even about having bigger and better churches. It's not about church growth. It's, it's about a party. It's about celebrating. If you do that well, the other things will come. Church growth will come, right? The, the righteousness and the, the deeds of the saints will be poured out through the course of celebrating at the party. The, the kingdom of God is the most important topic in all of Jesus' teaching in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, those three gospels, he talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven, right? But it's the same thing. What is this kingdom of God? Is it, is it heaven? Is that what he's talking about here? In heaven, it'll be like this? Well, sort of, that's, that's part of it. But why did Jesus teach us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? You, you think about what the kingdom of God means. Why did John the Baptist, when he started his ministry, cry out in the wilderness, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand? Well, here's the best way that I found to understand what the kingdom of God is. I think the kingdom of God is anywhere where God's will and his reign and his rule are done, are executed rightly. The kingdom is where God's will and his reign and his rule are done. Where does that happen? Where is God's will always done? Heaven, definitely. Heaven is, is part of the kingdom of heaven. But there are times in our lives when we get a glimpse of the kingdom, don't we? There are times when the kingdom of God breaks through into our world here, when we see God's will and God's reign and God's rule executed here, like thousands of Africans who learned to read God's word for themselves because of the work that Dr. Bert Dyson did. That's the kingdom of God breaking through. Like a, a group of women and, and young adults in this church and, and older adults 
who came together to throw a massive surprise baby shower for someone who was in need in this church. That's the kingdom of God breaking through. Whenever uh, one of our Sunday morning Bible study groups surrounds a, a young couple who's just gone through a miscarriage and lays hands on them and prays over them and, and, and through shared tears comforts them, that's the kingdom of God breaking through into our world. Whenever someone gets the idea, we're going to go fix up this person's house because it's falling down and we're going to get a group of guys and we're just going to go do it. It's the kingdom of God breaking through. Whenever we feed hungry people on Tuesday mornings here with boxes of food, kingdom of God. In the parable today, though, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a, a huge party that the king throws in honor of his son's wedding. It's a royal event. This is the marriage of the, the, the prince, right? The, 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 the son of the king getting married. It sounds like Revelation 19, right? And he sends his servants out to, to, to remind the invited guest it's time for the party. It's time for a royal nationwide celebration. You'd think they would be so excited. This is the greatest gala ever put on in the nation. And you'd think they'd be so excited about, about the, the prospect of being invited, but they refuse. That's crazy, right? That's illogical. You don't turn down the king. You don't say no to the greatest gala ever. What Jesus is saying is that when we twist religion into the ways that the religious leaders of Jerusalem had twisted it, it becomes unnatural and illogical. It's against the way God intended for things to be. So the king sends the servants out again to make sure these people understand what it is that they're saying no to. He says, this is going to be the biggest blowout this country's ever seen. I got all the fattened calves barbecued. I got the oxes slain. I've got all the finest foods in the land. I got all the, the, the garments ready to go for the wedding. You do not want to miss this. And the time for the party is now, he says. They've been prepared. It is time for the party. And this, this text this time says that the invitees didn't even care. It says they paid no attention to the servants at this point. They're too busy with their mundane little worlds that they're involved in. One goes about his business, it says. The other one has to dig around in the dirt on his farm, it says. I can't have time to go to a royal gala. I've got to dig in the dirt here in my little plot of land. It makes no sense. It's illogical. It reminds me of what C.S. Lewis said in his incredible sermon, The Weight of Glory. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Why do we sin? Is it because we desire something too greatly? No. C.S. Lewis says that your desire for pleasure is really too weak. That's why you sin. We are half-hearted creatures, he says, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. It's true, isn't it? Some powerful, life-changing stuff there. It's what Jesus is talking about. This is what he's telling to the priests and the scribes and the lawyers who are all gathered there in the temple of Jerusalem. He's saying that you don't really desire to be a part of the incredible party, the incredible wedding feast that God is putting on for his people right now. What a shame. 
You have no idea what you're missing out on. That's what Jesus is saying. And then some of the invitees, it says here in the text, go so far as to seize the messengers, and some of them even kill the messengers. How does the king feel about that? He says he's angry about that, so he sends his troops to do justice. The troops come in, and, and they, they, they take these people who have no respect for the king, and they level their cities. There are consequences for when you disrespect the king, right? He's the one who controls the armies. He's the one who's in charge of the land. We must get in line with him. So then Jesus says that the king sent the remaining servants out into the main roads, which is where the poor people hung out. The main roads is where those other people hung out. Those whom the religious establishment had deemed unworthy of the party, unworthy to come in. Jesus said, go get them because they're entering into the party while you're not. So they go out into the roads, they get the good, the bad, the ugly, they bring them all into the feast, and of course the king's purposes are always fulfilled. It says the hall was full of guests, and the party was on. Because when God intends to throw a party, he throws a party. No matter who comes or not, he's going to make it happen. So these people who are bad, it says, they don't remain bad, because once they get there, the king clothes them with the robes of righteousness, and then they enter into the party. The story tells us about one unlucky fellow, though, who missed the memo and didn't get his robe, and he shows up in his old rags of uh, filth and, and, and disgust, and the king says, who let you in here without the, the robe of righteousness? And he casts him out into the trash heap outside the city where the, the burning never ceases. So there's two main points here, really. First, remember that you are invited today to this party. I don't know if you have a Super Bowl party to go to or not today, but you do have a party to go to that's far greater than any Super Bowl party that's ever been thrown. Many of us need to be reminded of this truth today, that God has sent you an invitation to take part in the celebration of the marriage of the Lamb and the Bride. Maybe you've done church so long that you don't really understand this concept of a party that God throws. Maybe you've You've been stuck in your religious routines. Maybe some of you need to honestly answer, do you really want to go to the party today? Do you really want to be a part of it? God's invitation is waiting. He's already put it out there. Will you accept the invite or would you rather dig in the dirt? Would you rather settle for the mundane things of this world? Is your, your desire for pleasure so weak that you would rather dig in the dirt than accept the invitation to the royal gala? Are you fooling around with the, the pleasures of this world when God's inviting you to infinite joy, a holiday at, at the beach? Maybe you're wary of the kingdom. Maybe you don't trust it so much. Maybe you've seen Christians do some horrible things in this world like the rest of us have. But we need to realize that we were made for the party that God throws. It's his party, and it is good all the time. We trust that promise. And we thrive when we're fully in that celebration mode. We were made for it. When we live out our purposes of living into that party, we thrive and flourish. The second key here is to ask yourself, are you ready for the party? Are you ready for the party? Don't show up unprepared for the party, dressed in your, your rags of filth and unworthiness. Maybe you haven't accepted the righteousness in the garment of grace that God offers you today freely along with his invitation to the party. 
Maybe you're so unprepared, you, you haven't really found a love for God's Word. Ask God to give you a love for His Word. Jump in with our Bible readings today. Go home and, and read Exodus 39 and 40. Start, start dwelling in, in God's Word and let Him speak to you. Maybe you haven't honestly prayed in a long time. Maybe you need to develop a, a, a discipline of prayer in your personal life. Start today. Learn to live in the ways of the kingdom right now so that you'll be ready when the party is, is time. I don't know what it is that you need to decide today. Maybe it's, it's that you've been living in this legal battle in your mind about being good enough. Maybe you've never accepted the offer of, of Christ's righteousness that is given freely through the cross of Jesus. Or maybe you, you just need a church family. Maybe you've kind of been floating out there on your own, doing life on your own as a Christian. We all need church family. Maybe you haven't seen the kingdom of God break through in a long time. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your life. You need to see God's will and his reign and his rule done in your life today. Whatever it is that you need to decide, we're going to stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Come just as you are. Before we do that, I want to offer a word of prayer just for our church and over all of us. Let's pray. Lord God, you are high and holy and exalted over all the earth. God, you are fully in charge and you are fully good. We trust those promises. God, we ask that you would help us to, to be a part of your party. Help us to understand the kingdom celebration that you have going on throughout the cosmos. May we put on our garments of grace, our robes of righteousness, and enter into the celebration with joyful, willing hearts. I know a lot of folks in this congregation don't feel like partying today. They don't feel like celebrating. God, remind us of what your party is, of what your kingdom is. God, remind us of your grace and goodness and what it means to enter into the marriage feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb. God, I pray that if anyone's here today who's never done that for the first time, that they would come forward now and, and surrender their lives to you, the Lamb, that they would put on the garment of grace for the first time. God, I pray that if someone is here today and needs a church family, they would come and talk about joining Woodmont and what that means. God, I pray that if someone's here who's not been baptized and, and not ever been um, followed the example that you said of, of dying to themselves and, and rising into a whole new kind of life, that you would help them make that decision today. Let your spirit have its way now, God. We pray these things in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.